you know, in a little while, we're going to gradually darken the lights. And they'll go dim, and every one of you will be lighting one of these. We'll be lighting a candle. And by the time we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, the only light that will be present in this room will be from the candles. It's a beautiful service. A candlelit sanctuary is something that can move our hearts. And singing carols by candlelight, I have to tell you, for me and maybe many of you too, can be one of the highlights of the entire year. It's a time where we see and we hear and we feel the warmth, the love, and the joy that is all central to the Christmas season. At Christmas, we often put lights on our houses, lights in our trees. Some people will wear battery-operated lights around their, their necks. Some people even have sweaters that light up. And even people who, who are bah-humbugging Christmas or who have no faith at all will still put up lights. We go to see Christmas light displays, and that's because I think light is powerful. Light is, is beautiful. Light touches our heart. There was a, a little girl named Sally, and, and Sally actually understood the power of light. It was 8 o'clock in the evening on Christmas Day, All the presents had been opened. Amazing amounts of food had been eaten. Countless relatives had been visited. And a tired but still very much awake, eight-year-old Sally sat under her family's Christmas tree. Her her six-year-old brother was busy playing quietly in his room with his new toys. And mom and dad, mom and dad were sprawled out on the couch, totally exhausted. And the silence of that night was broken by Sally. Sally said, I love Christmas lights. What would Christmas be without lights? And that was a good question. Actually, it was a good statement. Light and and Christmas go together. People love Christmas lights. In fact, Christmas is often called the season of light. And so for just a moment, I want to take us back. I want us to imagine what it was like over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The nativity, the birth of Jesus is filled with images of light. The shepherds are out in the field. It's chilly. It's quiet. There's no moon in the sky, but there's light. The sky is filled with thousands of stars. The stars are singing their nightly song of praise to their creator. The the beauty of that starlight was only surpassed by the arrival of the angels. The angels brought on what could be the most amazing heavenly light show ever seen. It was the, the glory of the Lord. There was light at the manger too. I would guess that there might have been a soft, dim light. The shadows were probably deep. Perhaps a a solitary candle burned, or maybe Joseph had lit a small campfire for both warmth and light. And then there were the Magi. The star of Bethlehem lit up the sky to direct them. These ancient astronomers followed that star for perhaps as long as two years. They knew that its light, its light would lead them to the newborn king. 
Eventually the star would rest over Bethlehem and the house where Mary and Joseph lived with the Christ child. Light. Light's not just a theme of Christmas. Light is a theme of the Bible. And light is particularly a theme of John's Gospel. If you've ever read John's Gospel, you know it doesn't really tell the the story of Jesus' birth that we find elsewhere, like Luke 2, which Pastor David read just a few minutes ago. See, in the opening verses of John, he makes no mention of of a journey to Bethlehem from Nazareth. There are no filled ins, there are no shepherds, there are not any, any, even any angels. Instead, John presents Jesus' incarnation. He speaks of the beginning, he speaks of creation. He talks about the Word, the Word being made flesh. John calls Jesus the Word, he calls him the life. In John 1, 4 and 5 we read this, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, those words, those simple words from John remind us of what we celebrate tonight. God took on flesh. Jesus came from the throne room of heaven, and he came all the way down to become one of us. He came to bring light. His light defeats darkness. And that's because, as we've sang a couple times this evening already, Jesus is the light of the world. And light always dispels darkness. Light here represents the truth. It represents righteousness. Light reveals the presence of God. The prophet Isaiah, he had this to say about Jesus' birth hundreds of years before it happened. He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness On them, light has shone. The light of Christ provides hope. It assures us of the promises of God. The world has been changed forever. But still, there was a problem. John tells us that even though Jesus was in the world and that the world was made through him, that the world didn't know him. John added that Jesus was rejected. He wasn't even received by his own people. And to think about that, that, that's still so true today. Jesus is not known by many people. And by those who know his name, some still reject him. And without Jesus in their life, people are living in darkness. And that simple fact should break our hearts. Many of us know what it's like to live in darkness. Even followers of Jesus, we flirt with darkness. We, we walk in the light, but darkness is around every corner. It's ready to pounce out in a weak moment. Darkness is a constant in our lives. In the Bible, darkness refers to evil. It refers to ignorance. Evil's everywhere, isn't it? You turn on the news, you go online, you read about mass shootings. There are murders. People say hateful things. There's anger. People steal. There's rape. There's, there's abuse. Families don't get along. Marriages sometimes end in divorce. Children are abandoned. The lives of the unborn are legally ended. And many people walk in fear. They wonder what's going to go wrong next. And ignorance. Ignorance is also prevalent. You know, we live in the most technologically advanced time ever. We're supposed to be smart. And yet we make, we ignore truth. 
Instead, we make our own truth. We rationalize evil. We call it good. And you know what? I think we all get it. The, the world has fallen. Bad stuff happens. People get hurt. Darkness still exists. And if you live your life that way, it can be kind of a gloomy picture. But it's hardly the last word. The prophet Isaiah counters with hope. He says the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. John's gospel declares the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he continues a little later and he says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was entering our world. And I think the greatest news is that the light of Christ is available to all of us. And did you notice in that passage there, it says the light shines in the darkness. The light just didn't shine in the past. The, the light isn't only going to shine sometime in the future. No, the light of Christ shines today. It shines constantly. It shines forever. And light dispels darkness. They can't coexist. Light wins every time. There's a scholar, Andreas Kossenberger, he put it this way. He said, when you turn on a light in a room, you don't notice this great struggle between light and dark, do you? We don't wonder if somehow the darkness is going to snuff out that light. And, and it's the same way with spiritual light and darkness. Spiritual darkness is no match for the light of men. Light triumphs. Leon Morris wrote it this way. He said, the light and the darkness came into bitter and decisive conflict and the darkness could not prevail. The birth of Christ that we celebrate tonight offers the opportunity for us to dispel darkness. Through Christ, our life, your life, my life can be filled with light, his light. But the fact of the matter is we have to open our heart. We have to trust in Jesus. Through Christ, God will remove darkness from our life. You see, light not only dispels darkness, light also gives light, life. Jesus is the life giver. Some of you know me, you know that I love to garden. And in the past couple years, I've, early in the spring, I've started my flower seeds indoors. I've got seed trays, I've got seed heat, heating mats, I've got self-watering systems. I've even got a, a neat two-level cart on, on wheels for my seed starting production. And it's all great, but an essential component of all that is light. Of course, I got grow lights, they're lights and tents. But without those lights, my efforts are all doomed. Without lights, those seeds will still sprout up, but they'll quickly get long and scraggly. They strain to find light because if you think about it, God built into that little seed a need for the light that brings life. Even seeds know that. And we're no different. We need the light of the world. We need Jesus in our life. Going back to John's first words in his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the life giver. Jesus wasn't created. His existence didn't start with a birth in a manger. 
That is simply when and where Jesus entered our world. You see, he's, he is the living word. Everything we see was made by Jesus and for Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he was writing a letter to the church at Colossa, and he said this, he said, speaking of Jesus, he said, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he says, and he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is life. He's our life. And because he loves you, God came to earth in the flesh. There's a, a well-known story, you may have heard it before, but it's about a mom who was comforting her daughter. Her daughter had had a, a bad day. And, and the mom assured her daughter that God was always with her, that, that she just needed to trust in him and he would take care of her. And the girl listened very attentively, but after the mom finished, the little girl said, Mom, I know God's always with me, but right now I need someone with skin on. And that's what's so great about Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. Jesus is God with skin on. See, Jesus walked in our shoes. He knows our joys. He knows our struggles. He knows our temptations. He knows our pain. And he brings light. He brings hope to our life. Jesus brings joy to our life. And that's because Jesus is the source of our joy. The light of the world brings joy to you and he brings joy to me. And that joy he brings is it's unspeakable. Words don't do it justice. It's indescribable. It's incomparable. It's amazing. It's really, it's really good, you could say. John said to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. A couple chapters later, John wrote words that we all know. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those are words of joy. Those are words of perfect, pure joy. Think about the angels. The angels told the shepherds on that first Christmas night, they said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When the Magi saw the star of Bethlehem, Matthew's gospel told us that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. That's the kind of joy I want in my life. I mean, don't we all want to have a life that's filled with exceedingly great joy? And Christmas means it's possible. Even in life's toughest moments, we can experience the joy that comes only through Christ. Of course, I don't have to tell you this, but I think you all know that joy can escape us. Christmas is such a busy time. My wife and I were talking today. I was like, it's Christmas Eve already. Just yesterday, it felt like October. 
Of course, it feels like April today. But we can get all wrapped up in the the commercialism. We get all wrapped up in the busyness of the season, and a lot of it's good, but sometimes it's just too much. And, And what can happen, and we don't mean for it to happen, is we can miss Jesus. We can miss the joy of Christmas. And even on a night like tonight, we can miss Jesus. You know, I, I'm up here doing what I love. There's no, no place I'd rather be tonight, but when I'm up here, I kind of have to be, the word you'd use is like is on. You know, I have to do my job as, as a pastor tonight. And what that means is it's easy to be distracted. Sometimes I can focus so much on sharing the message that I forget to hear the message. And I say that because my guess is Many of you are no different. After this service, some of you are headed to a Christmas Eve gathering. Tomorrow might be another really, really busy day. And hopefully it's just going to be a great and wonderful day. But I have to ask a question. Is Jesus central to your celebration? Do we take Jesus with us or do we leave him here at church tonight? I remember a Christmas Eve a few years back, and something amazing stood uh, happened as we stood to sing carols by candlelight. I had a moment of that incredible, unspeakable, really good joy. As we were singing that night, I had my song sheet in front of me, which, by the way, when the candlelight starts, you're going to need your song sheets. But I looked up from my song sheet, and I stopped singing, and I started watching what was unfolding in front of me in the congregation. The soft candlelight was absolutely beautiful. It it lit up people's faces with this warm, precious glow. I, I saw my wife, my kids, Brett and Adam and my daughter-in-law Ruth, my mom and dad were along, along with my sister Debbie and my brother-in-law Mike. My family was here. And then I gazed out at everybody in the congregation, my church family. And then I noticed a friend who was getting emotional as we sang the Christmas carols. And that is all it took. In fact, that friend's smiling right now. Joy welled up inside of me so much that I could barely deliver the blessing. And that's because God felt so close. It was a powerful moment. God's presence filled the room. It was real. It penetrated my heart. I think, I can, the only thing I can describe it is, is a glimpse of heaven. It was a gift from Jesus. And moments like that remind us of the great Christmas gift that we received from the light of the world. My prayer for all of us tonight is we will experience the joy of Christ tonight or maybe tomorrow or in the coming days. And the the fact of the matter is you can't manufacture such joy. You can't manufacture such special moments. But we can prepare our hearts. We can still our minds. We can remember What's important? And so tonight, I want to help us prepare 
to worship the newborn king, newborn king as we sing Christmas carols. And so I want, you to, I want to ask you just to close your eyes, if you would do that. And then I want you to take a couple deep breaths. Just inhale and just exhale and just do it again. Inhale and exhale. Now try to clear your mind. Try to get all those thoughts of what you've already done today, what you've got to do yet tonight, what you're going to do tomorrow. And instead of that, try to fill your mind with Jesus' humble birth. Let us, let us go back and maybe imagine again being there with the shepherds as they witnessed the angelic light show and then they heard the angel's message. Maybe in the quiet of this moment, let your mind wander to the manger. Try and picture in your mind the Savior of the world as a, as a newborn. Through Christ we have life. Darkness has been defeated. God is with us. Joy can fill our heart. I pray that we would open our heart to Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again this evening, another Christmas Eve, another night of celebration, another night to remember that Jesus came to live and be one of us. Father, we ask that you would still our hearts tonight, that there would be a calm, there would be a peace, that we would travel back, that we would remember what you did and what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us. Lord, I pray for every one of us here tonight that tonight be a wonderful celebration, a great time with friends and family, but that it be so much more than that. That it maybe be a time of recommitment, of recommitting our life to live for the Lord, to let his light shine in us and through us. Or maybe, Father, that it would be a night that we, for the first time in our lives, invite Jesus into our heart. Ask him to forgive us, that we would declare him our Lord and Savior. Father, it's a special night. We thank you for the gift of the light of the world who came down and who saved us from our sins. Amen. You can open your eyes now. Remember your, your 